Page nineteen, March twenty-sixth, two thousand twenty-one. Hello, all, and welcome to the Book Nerd Diaries, the bite-sized bi-weekly show where I dive deep into the latest books I've crossed off of my to-read list. It's time to open another page, so watch out for spoilers ahead. But what do you say? Let's get our book nerd on, shall we? In a world where so much is the same day in and day out, everybody loves to spice things up with a little mystery once in a while. When Sir Arthur Conan Doyle killed off his iconic character Sherlock Holmes in the story *His Last Bow*, the fans were so completely upset and outraged by the demise of their beloved fictional detective that the author was ultimately forced to bring his creation back from the dead, much to his own chagrin. Agatha Christie is deservedly the highest-grossing author of all time, on the success of her sixty-six detective novels and fourteen short story collections, according to the website AgathaChristie.com, including her landmark classics *And Then There Were None* and *Murder on the Orient Express*. Even today, if you look at your TV guide or podcast app. You'll probably find that true crime is arguably one of the most prevalent genres of media out there, showing that people have always been fascinated in navigating the darkest, most dangerous corridors of the human mind. In our book today, "Truly Devious" by Maureen Johnson, one young true crime enthusiast gets far more than she had bargained for when she ends up in the very center of not one but two murder mysteries. As the book opens, we are taken to the year nineteen thirty-six, where we meet Dolores, one of the students invited to enroll in the Ellingham School, a newly opened boarding school for gifted and talented kids, located in the remote wilderness of Vermont, founded by famous film studio executive Albert Ellingham. With Ellingham's vast wealth behind the institution, it is an elegant, sprawling campus that allows students to freely follow whatever their pursuits are in life. And Ellingham himself lives on the grounds with his family, regularly hosting lavish parties there on the weekends for the Hollywood elite. Really, it's the kind of place that anyone would love to learn in. Dolores is enjoying one of the campus's hidden spaces as she reads a book. When a mysterious intruder enters wearing a mask, though they try to pass themselves off as one of the Ellingham family's guests, the intruder deeply scares Dolores, and she tries to escape, but tragically ends up falling to her death. From this prologue, the plot ends up switching back and forth pretty quickly between two separate but interconnected timelines. April of 1936 and the present day, due to the deeply intertwined nature of the narrative that is so brilliantly created throughout this book, I want to do it justice. As such, I've broken up the plot of this story into two separate parts in linear order to make it a bit easier to follow and describe for you. In the flashbacks to 1936, Albert Ellingham returns to his school from a business trip. He is getting ready to enjoy a quiet dinner with his family after being separated from them. At first, he is informed by his staff that they are still gone on a car ride, but that belief is soon dashed when he receives the most ominous, chilling phone call a parent and spouse could ever possibly imagine receiving in their lifetime. An unknown voice informs him that his daughter Alice and his wife Iris have both been kidnapped. 
the mysterious captor informs him that he must deliver a ransom of twenty-five thousand dollars to the island in the middle of the school's lake, accompanied by nobody else, in return for Alice and Iris's return. Wanting nothing more than his family back, he takes a rowboat and delivers the ransom himself, but when he makes the drop-off, he is soon knocked out by an unknown assailant. Following this defeat, all he has to go on as to his loved one's whereabouts is a gruesome poem sent in by the kidnappers, cobbled together by letters cut from various magazines. The note is simply signed, Truly Devious. They continue to contact Ellingham, offering to return Iris and Alice to him alive in return for increased ransom money left at specific locations. No matter how quickly Albert rushes to meet their demands, however, the captors never keep up their end of the deadly bargain. In the end, it is all merely a game to them, and the millionaire ends up never seeing his wife or child again. No sign whether they are alive or dead, just emptiness, where two of the most important people in his life have been. Given Ellingham's status, the story becomes national news and leaves an indelible cloud of tragedy that forever hangs over the school they had founded and called home. In the present-day timeline, we meet our second protagonist, Stephanie, a.k.a. Stevie, Bell, as she is making the drive to the Ellingham School with her parents for her very first year. At first glance, the scenery and the buildings on the grounds are stunning as advertised. Lauded as this institution is, however, Stevie has one major reason above all for enrolling in the first place. She is a major true crime enthusiast and aspiring future detective, excited to further explore the site of the famous Ellingham tragedy. As her parents are given a tour of the grounds, Stevie is shown to her dorm building, called Minerva. As she gets her bearings and starts unpacking her things, she meets some of her new dorm mates, including author Nate, freewheeling jet-setter Allie, a.k.a. Element, bubbly engineer Janelle, and surly YouTube star Hayes Major, who has made a name for himself as the star of a popular apocalyptic zombie series called The End of It All. Despite Hayes's clear popularity and acting talent, Stevie is deeply unimpressed by Hayes' utter lack of personality or care for anything outside of his work. Being a big believer in uncovering the truth through cold hard facts, Stevie has no such love for grandeur or celebrity. When Hayes invites her to work with him as a researcher on a new series about the Allingham case for their final project, however, the opportunity is simply too good to pass up. Shortly into the filming process, though, the entire operation is suddenly halted when Hayes is found dead in a tunnel on the school grounds, bringing tragedy much closer than Stevie could have imagined. Naturally, everyone in the school is suspected of the young star's demise. Could someone have had it out for Hayes? Could his death have simply come about by his own carelessness? Or could it be someone in the shadows trying to keep people from learning what had truly happened to Iris and Alice Ellingham? Stevie, being ever the dedicated investigator, makes it her new mission to discover the truth, even if it may lead to her becoming the next victim. This book first came to my attention in a rather tangential way, to say the least. The author of this wonderful book, Maureen Johnson, is also a cast member on the very first podcast I ever fell in love with, and one of my favorite works of fiction in any media, Welcome to Night Vale. 
Being already familiar with her wonderful performance on that show, playing radio station intern Maureen, I felt almost compelled to check out her work for myself. Just as I suspected, Truly Devious is every bit as solidly plotted and atmospheric as Night Vale, but with a 100% lower risk of contracting throat spiders, being kidnapped by a vague yet menacing government agency, or being possessed by a sentient glow cloud. All hail. While this book takes place in a far more familiar, mundane setting than Night Vale, people do still get murdered, so I'd still make a point of watching your back anyway. Though true crime has never quite been my biggest forte as a genre, I have always had a particular fondness for embarking on a good mystery once in a while, with the likes of famous fictional detectives like Sherlock Holmes and Hercule Poirot. Reading Truly Devious, I was delighted to find that I felt all the same sense of fun and danger I get every time Sherlock Holmes rushes into the London night to trace down a lead in his latest case. What's more, I love the fact that the book's plot is so delicately and deftly woven between the two separate timelines of 1936 and now, connecting the tragedies past and present into a single stunningly cohesive narrative that echoes our eternally curious protagonist Stevie's own slow immersion into the mysteries of Ellingham School. Please note, this book wouldn't be classified as overly graphic, but it does contain some content that may be sensitive for some, so please be sure to check out the content warnings in our show notes before checking it out for yourself. If mystery books are your thing, then Truly Devious is a super fun, exciting thrill ride of a story that is part coming-of-age high school drama a la Mean Girls, part gritty detective novel, and even part psychological thriller, but is all worth the read. With that, everyone, we have reached the end of our main discussion for today, but please don't go anywhere just yet. There is still more show heading your way after this quick break. Are you an author, fellow podcaster, or small business owner looking to spread the word about your product or service? Then let us help you. We offer a number of affordable monthly advertising packages in various price ranges. So if you'd like to hear your ad here in future episodes, please head on over to our page at ko-fi.com slash bndpod and click on the shop tab to see what works best for you. Again, that's ko-fi dot com slash bndpod then click on the shop tab we can't wait to work with you hello again all we're back now that we're on the other side of our break it's now time for that ultra nerdy part of our show the trivia corner in this segment we give you a trivia question related to today's book as truly devious takes place in the great state of vermont here's a question related to the green mountain state Ready? Your question is, what is the capital of Vermont? Is it A. Burlington, B. Montpelier, or C. Newport? Your answer is B. Montpelier. Selected as Vermont's official state capital in 1805, Montpelier, located in Washington County, is currently the state's fifth largest city, being home to 7,855 people as of the 2010 census. Among the city's notable citizens is famed comic book writer Frank Miller, 
who is best known for being the mind behind Marvel's Daredevil Born Again arc, 300, and Sin City. My source for this question was Wikipedia. At long last, we have finally reached the end of our episode for today, dear listeners. Before I bid you all farewell, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Julie and Katie, aka one of the best sisters a podcaster could ask for, for being our amazing subscribers on Patreon. Also, thank you so much to everyone so kind as to share our posts on social media, told the books and podcast lovers in their lives about us, or left us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, as these are the very best ways to help us reach new ears. Next Friday, April 2nd, we'll be dropping something just for our Patreon supporters, and we'll be right back here on your main feed in two weeks to open another entry in the Book Nerd Diaries. See you then! The Book Nerd Diaries and its associated shows are written, edited, researched, and hosted by me, Amber Wilchin. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for the use of our theme song, The Show Must Be Go, and Sincerely Media on Unsplash via Anchor for our wonderful cover art. If you would like to connect with us online, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at BNDPod, Facebook at Book Nerd Diaries, or via our website at bndpod.wordpress.com. If you would have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes to send my way, please feel free to drop me an email at bndpod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, everyone, please take care of yourselves and each other, and don't forget to always keep on reading.